And welcome back, everyone, to Double Down with Breslow, where we've got another great guest for you today, talking about a very unique niche in the area of sports betting. Uh, a lot of people out there utilize handicappers uh, to get an edge when making their bets and often pay a lot of money to sports handicappers uh, for their picks. Uh, well, SharpRank has come out and they audit and review and rank these sports handicappers. So you can be sure that, uh, well, you, you can easily search for the best handicappers and also be sure that perhaps there's no shenanigans going on since there's quite some history of sports handicappers, uh, for instance, taking both sides of a bet. The the founder and CEO is Chris Adams, and he joins us today. Welcome, Chris. Hey, welcome. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, this is going to be a fun conversation. Why, why don't you just start with, I think you were an investment banker before. How did you go uh, from that to deciding to be the founder of Sharp Rank? It kind of dovetails in really nicely. So in my industry, uh, in order to call yourself an investment bank, and to provide the services of an investment banker. Uh, there's certain license requirements. There's certain SEC compliance, FBI background checks, and series exams to be considered an investment banker. So as I was, as I was in that industry in 2018, heard a radio ad with somebody making claims about their ability to predict games that was statistically impossible, and then guaranteeing people money if they were to call and buy the pick. And listening to that with my friend in the car, we looked at each other, we were both licensed. And I said, I looked at him, and I said, I would be in prison if I did something like I would never be able to work in my industry again. And so surely someone's overseeing this, there's, there's no way that you can just lie to people and then guarantee them money. So being the curious person that I am, I, I called the number. Uh, and uh, I, I got, I got a side of the bed, I got the pick, I got the prediction, and I hung up the phone and I looked at the guy next to me and I said, do me a favor, just call this number. I'm just curious. He called, he got the other side of that bet. Uh, so exactly what you were saying. And and in that moment, we really kind of, we had a two hour drive in front of us and just started talking about what this would look like from some sort of, some sort of oversight or independent evaluator, as we call ourselves for. By, by the way, I, I got to tell you about that story. It's so funny how things just, some things never change. I, I, I can remember as a child, child and, and I'm in my 50s okay I can remember as a child my dad telling me the story about the sports handicapper that would give both sides of, of the play and then whoever he gave the winning play to or, or the group of people they gave the winning play to they would also give half and half yeah. and then half and half and half and half so if you start with a thousand people you wind up you know with a handful that have gotten you know six or seven winners in a row and they're ready to give you their next born to keep getting free picks <laughs> from you yeah. But it just seems like such an old-fashioned scam that I, I wasn't aware of whether it was still going on today, but you're saying absolutely that old scam is still happening today. It manifests itself in a lot of different ways. So the, the radio is one example um, and, and not the only example. And and to be fair to 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 the larger population, there are plenty of people who do do this above board, who are skilled at it and, and do things well and, and don't, you know, play in the gray area or commit outright fraud. Um, but what what's transitioned is how the public consumes the information. So where it was that radio ad or mailers back in the day, um, has turned into social media, or um, you can create a website tonight 
and say whatever you want on that. So that's really where we start to go down and, and start to dig in is in, in the areas where the public can get uh, influenced the most. Um, and that's, that's really, you know, I guess a, a, as we dug in, we started to see a little bit more of a structural flaw to sports betting. Uh, and I can credit a lot of this to my background and just my curious nature, I guess. But uh, up until about 2003, financial market, financial institutions had equity research and equity trading, living under the same roof, commingling, talking openly to each other. And what was happening was research, which is where the recommendations come from, was walking over to the trade floor saying, we're about to issue a very bad report on a stock that you guys have a very long position on. So get out before we issue this report. And vice versa, the traders were coming to the equity research side saying, we just got contracted to take a company public. Uh, so if you could bump those valuations up, we'll kick you back money after we IPO the company. And in 2003, they slammed compliance walls between those two functions so they can't talk. And what we saw when we started to build out this company was a very similar structure. Um, and you have sports books vertically integrated now with the content or affiliated with the content that serve as the recommendation engine, but uh, to their trade floor, but no separation of function, no compliance around that communication or anything like that. So there's really no way to know if you're getting actual information or you're potentially just getting fed what's most advantageous to the sports book in that so, moment. So a couple of questions. Uh, clearly, there's no such thing as a license to be a sports handicapper, right? Not yet. <laughs> and is, is that something that you guys are advocating for? Uh, it's part of what we're what we're advocating for. Um, we we look at uh, the first step of it is setting some sort sort of standards that can run across all these fragmented states. So uh, one of the big pain points for an operator is having or a sports book is having to deal with 38 sets of compliance because there's no federal level to the oversight. And so what, what we're advocating for is really similar to what Sarbanes-Oxley did, which was setting standards across the board for auditing uh, so that they can be replicated in all these different states and the states get the benefit, the operator gets the benefit, uh, and everybody kind of moves towards a more secure market now. No, sorry, is that for handicappers or for sports books? You're talking about uh, handicappers and sports books that produce content or affiliate with content that make predictions. So is there any regulations right now on a sports uh, betting site also offering handicapping services? No, none, not none yet. Um, uh -huh. So that's that's really kind of. Uh, one of the key initiatives that we have and have been working with, you know, it, what's interesting is the the sports books have started to be a part of the conversation because I, I think they are starting to understand that if there aren't guardrails put in place now, a hammer is going to swing without their without them in it and without them in the conversation. And that's that's not good for anyone. Give us a couple examples of some of the bigger sports books that are also predicting outcomes of games. Well, it's it's not necessarily necessarily when we use the term handicapper or sharp uh sometimes it's it's important to break free of what that what that uh previous definition was so in the past that was the straight up tout sharp handicapper whatever whatever you want to call it who was out there selling his predictions and and that type of thing 
a lot of those folks still exist, but now a lot of them have affiliate deals with sports books or otherwise to send their audience to the sports book and receive a cost per acquisition fee for every person they send or a revenue sharing fee. So when we think of when we think yeah, of and actually that, sorry to interrupt, but but it's my understanding that that if you are sending getting um a fee for sending customers, that that does require a license at the in certain states at the onset, you are required to have a license. Some states don't require it, uh, don't require any sort of background check or anything, but that's really where it stops is once your license is obtained, there's no oversight past that. So um, that that's really where we're, we're looking to kind of fill out the integrity chain to some extent. But yeah, so to answer your question, you, you can think of it in broad strokes of uh, that older definition of a sharp without a handicapper who's on the radio or early morning TV or maybe now has a website, et cetera, and all they're doing is selling their picks. So that end of the spectrum, all the way down to what we see a lot of today, which is influencers on social media putting out picks to feed the public into a sports book. Now, understanding if they're good or not is really, really important <laughs> um, for for both for both ends of those spectrum, and and that's kind of kind of what what we do to make sure that there's no bad actors in that population, and um, people aren't also feeding you to an offshore illegal book. All those all those problems that arise. What are the potential conflicts of interest when you're talking about a sports handicapper being tied to a betting? site uh like a like a sports book itself yeah exactly okay um yeah good good question and this is this ties into the the uh, a couple things um one we saw what happened with FTX using the influence of celebrities or whatever it is to funnel people in to something that they didn't really understand um those celebrities had varying degrees of understanding of what cryptocurrencies were and and what an exchange of a cryptocurrency is and does and how it operates. But more broadly, the, the conflict of interest is really the same thing as what happened with the financial institutions where a sports book could very easily tell the handicapper, hey, we need tickets, we need dollars on the Dodgers tonight. We have we are getting killed on our splits, on our betting splits. So go make us some content that gets the public into the Dodgers side of this bet on our sports book. And that might not be the most advantageous thing for the consumer, but it is a 50-50 split on uh, money on a, on a bet is what's most advantageous for the sports book. Mm -hmm. um, and are, are you aware of that ever happening? We see irregular betting behavior quite a bit. Um, we, we can't, because we're not authorized to control test those types of things yet. Um, we, we can't formally say yes or no to that, but uh, we see a lot of behavior that would be indicative of what front running or market manipulation or um, any any sort of other activity that's illegal in financial markets. Mm -hmm. So as a result of the explosion of online sports betting in the U.S., and it's only going to get bigger, we still got Florida, Texas, and California to come. 
you're seeing also, I guess, an explosion of handicappers, sharps, whatever you want to call them. And for two reasons, it sounds like to me. One is because now there's more sports betting. So obviously there's more demand, but also because of this whole notion of them referring players to the sports books, getting nice fees every time they feed somebody to them. And so in order to capture those, they're doing some kind of nefarious things to try to capture these players to send them to to the sports books. Uh, we, there, there are ways when, when we think about it, there, there are ways, um, and, and just, just to be perfectly clear, like there is nothing wrong with using influencers and handicappers and whatever else it is to funnel people to a sports book. We see nothing wrong with that practice whatsoever. That is how uh, a lot of sales processes work. Um, what, what we are trying to say is some sort of third party validation of that group of people is really important so that if I have a deal with a sports book and I have 10 million followers on Twitter and I'm telling you that, you know, I'm giving out pick after pick after pick with affiliate link. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm maybe I give out 50 picks last week and I win 10 of them next week. I'm claiming that I'm 10 and 0 and only citing those wins or, doing doing things in practice that are nefarious but not necessarily nefarious people sort of sort of speaking got it okay we need to take one break so we're going to take that now uh after this break i want to get into some of the work you guys have actually done in evaluating handicappers and share with us what what you've learned and who are some of the best and who are some of the shady ones so we'll be back with chris adams from sharp break sharp rank after the break Welcome, change agents, to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts. The world's best-known investor and Wall Street expert Warren Buffett once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo, for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel. Hi, my name is Sarah, and I want to tell you about my podcast called Can I Offer You Some Feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, 
avoiding, or seeking, feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing business bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. And welcome back, everyone, to Double Down. We're talking to Chris Adams, the founder and CEO of SharpRank, a new service that is evaluating sports handicappers. So how far along are you guys in actually now evaluating handicappers that are out there? Pretty far along. Uh, we So we're a three-year-old company at this point, which by U.S., Sports betting standards is like we, we're we're viewed by some as the elder statesman at this point, which to us is a little odd because we still feel very new. Um, but we we have um, we we have refined our process over those three years to really be uh, data driven and scalable and and automated as much as we can. But what what our audit side of things looks like is almost identical to a financial statement audit. So we have folks here who came from big four accounting who helped us kind of build out what that audit model looks like, how to test, what's materiality, how do you calculate it? Um, how do you test for the key assertions around completeness, existence, accuracy, so on? Uh, so it, it's a pretty robust process, but what we try and do most is make it as hands-off for the handicapper, sports book, state government, who, whoever it is who who comes to, to ask for the service. So does the handicapper have to come to you voluntarily? Uh, we, we segment people into three buckets. So we have what's called a watch list uh, where we keep an eye on you from afar. So if, if you're listening and you're thinking, oh, what, why haven't they come knocking on my door? It's very likely you're in our watch list. Um, and our bullpen out there is just monitoring 24 hours a day through manual scrapers, um, visual, uh, you know, video to transcript type automation, um, everything you can possibly think of. Uh, so once you pass through the watch list phase, and we feel confident that you are somebody who is holding yourself to a certain level of accountability and integrity and transparency, uh, we will approach you if you haven't approached us um, and say, hey, we'd like to initiate coverage on you. Here's what that means. Here are the guidelines, et cetera. You get included in our quarterly report. You get some, some interesting data science around who you are because through doing this audit, we we start to understand, we look at, uh, man, over 50 proprietary parameters on a better, uh, just based on behavioral science. So understanding what their risk reward trade-offs are at a very, very deep, deep level. Um, and all the, all these different, what's your confidence level around certain situations and things of that nature. So all of that kind of has built into a very full process for, for what, what we're, what we're set out to do. Are, are you interested 
interested only in ones that are charging money for their picks or using it for the purpose of delivering players to sports books, as opposed to people who just, you know, they provide analysis on, on, or predictions on games. Uh, it's any and all. Yep. So, and that, that kind of, again, everything's a spectrum, but, uh, you know, you can take that from somebody who's out there on social media or Twitter, just saying, Hey, I don't claim to be an expert, but I'm putting picks out. Once their following hits a certain level, they kind of crop up onto our radar. Um, and then you can run it all the way down to the other side of the spectrum, which is uh, AI and predictive algorithms. Uh, and something that I've we've been working on for some time now is creating a you know, like a, a terminator bracket. So all the predictive models against each other rated and ranked against each other, because I, I find that super interesting to think about whose model can potentially be be the best but we're looking at way more than just records and things like that when it comes to the rankings um like i said very very deep understanding of of who a person is from a dna standpoint as a better and and how much of it is assuring that the person is on the up and up they're not giving both sides they're not lying about their record as opposed to actually being good at it because you know Guy could be a pretty smart guy and be on the up and up, but not have a very good season. Yep. Yeah, it's it's a really good question, and one one feeds into the other, right? Like we we can't um, we can't assign ratings without going through the audit process. So um, that that to us is is really really important. So I think we as far as bandwidth and where we spend most of our time, we spend a lot of our time on the audit process and making sure that that's done correctly. Um, because to your point, the thing about uh, sports betters is similar to traders in financial markets. It, it's very complex. It, it, it That is a very complex thing to do and do successfully over time. Um, and to us, there is always going to be something for somebody, even if they're having a bad season. And it might be the case that this guy writes for the Hawkeye Tribune or what, whatever it is, this small little outlet and puts out his picks every week. And he might be, he or she might be awful over overall, but they know the Hawkeyes. They know Iowa better than anyone or they know Purdue better than anyone, or they know away teams in the Big Ten in temperatures below 30 better than anyone. So there's all sorts of curated data that they can pull out to use to enhance their content. Um, but for us, for where we spend our time, it's 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 probably 60-40 uh, uh, audit to, to ratings. Okay. Ratings being, at the end of the day, how well did it, do they do picking the games? Correct. Yeah. So- Based on you now, you know, being an, an expert on this, uh, I mean, what would you say generally about handicappers? You, you know, can handicappers truly have an edge or the way I like to state it, does a handicapper's past record, is that any indication of what they're likely to do in the future? The age old question uh, that uh, that uh, definitely uh, it, it, it's 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 very interesting because. Uh, in certain, and this is why sports betting mirrors the financial market so much, because it, that same question for a fund manager comes up time and time and time again, where you get books like the random walk down Wall Street or whatever the case might be. So is past performance indicative of future? Um, I'll answer that with 
a, a really uh, kind of a, um, a a non a non answer, which I know is not what anyone wants to hear. But here's yes and no, right? Yes and no. It depends, like everything in life. What we tend to do, and what our kind of line is, is we just report the news, right? And do we do some things just for our own understanding as far as predicting out where someone should be? Yeah, we we do a little bit of that kind of just quietly behind the scenes just to see kind of if our ratings algorithm use it as a back test for our ratings algorithm. It depends. It's it's re- it's really tough to say. And I, I know you will get people very emotionally charged on both sides of that. Um, well, another way to ask it is, you know, controlling for the laws of randomness, right? Because we, we know when you flip a coin, you're going to have winning streaks and losing streaks on flipping a coin, even though each one of them is truly 50-50. Yep. So a handicapper could have a good year followed by a bad year of a good year. But if you see a record over time, where at some point it's like, whoa, wait a minute, this just can't be a lucky streak. This is happening for too long a period of time. Do you see handicappers out there that are consistently winning over multi-year periods? Yeah, we do. Yeah, that that's a fair way to for me to answer uh, affirmatively. Yes, we do. We do see that, and it's it's uh, it's very impressive um, because when you tease out noise for randomness it it becomes very impressive that what you just said was actually my first undergraduate statistics class they the teacher professor came in and flipped the coin and kept calling heads uh and and did it like 15 times in a row before somebody in the class was like you know bs and uh and he was like why it's you know it's a 50-50 shot. Why? And explained cumulative probability and randomness yeah. and all yeah. that sort of stuff. So um, yes, we do see that. And yes, it is it is impressive when people do that. Uh, what, I'd, what I'd also say is those folks tend to be highly coveted uh, by not just uh, the public, um, but uh, outlets or sports books or um, media properties who employ them. Because when you think about where we are in, in our timeline of sports betting, it, very similar to where we were, geez, 25 years ago with fantasy sports, right? It was for math nerds like me, and it was done on paper or Excel or whatever the case might be. And then suddenly experts started showing up. And now everybody in your class or your office could play because they didn't really have to think. We're at that same point. So you're seeing that arms race of talent that not just has an audience or can capture and engage an audience, but who can feed reliable information to the audience consistently. Do you find that the limited handicappers, I assume it's pretty limited, to fit into that category focus on one sport or do they tend to be good across multiple sports they they tend to focus in on on what they're really good at and i think that's a a key component of a lot of them uh and you know that that's really part of maybe the frustration from certain handicappers or whoever the case might be who uh might work for a content platform who say, that's great. You're really good at college football. We need all year round content. So what what we've thought about and what we've conceptualized a little bit is can can you because our our ratings are cross sport. Uh, so if you pick baseball prop bets and I pick NFL totals, we can com- we can be compared to each other. Um, but can you in a um, 
predictive way say that based on your prop betting in baseball, you will most likely be good at this different sport and this different type of bet within that sport. So that's something that's still kind of in the lab that we're we're looking at and trying to understand because um, that's really that's really interesting to us. So toss out a few names if you if you don't mind for you know give, give us an NFL name that, that right now you guys are rating very highly that's shown you know over multiple years to be you know 55 60 percent accuracy yeah it's um that that's a that's a little that's a little tough for for me to do with respect to naming names because we we can we can only really report the news. Um, what I what I will say is there there tend to be small smaller groups of handicappers that tend to end up at the same uh, platform who are all really pretty good. Um, and that that can be one one of the things that I think was really interesting uh, for us because it's such a male dominated profession is we saw some some females who were really pretty good um, with with respect to baseball with respect to NFL a little bit of hockey as well which which was really interesting to see so it, it's it's kind of tough to single people out like that because you know we don't promote or, or anything like that. But, uh, it, it, there are the, those people are out there, uh, I promise, but it is to your point, it is, it is a smaller subset than maybe is communicated, uh, publicly. Well, uh, do you intend for your business to be something that your average Joe better can access and, and check out? And if so, uh, tell us how that person can do it. Sure. Yeah. It's so we have, um, we have a mobile app for all the information you could possibly need. You can see uh, everybody's rating, uh, their audited records, their um, uh, some curated data science um, and th things around that. We call it a sharp card. Um, it's basically the back of a baseball card. And, and in, in that respect, our quarterly report comes out at the end of every quarter, which is really great. Uh, and, you know, aside from that, where we're always looking at ways to innovate. So uh, can we take our data and our ratings and tie it into some sort of augmented reality facial recognition, right? So as I'm watching whatever it is I'm watching on Twitter, YouTube, TV, uh, streaming, wherever, I hold up my phone, it recognizes the face and it pops up the sharp card of who's talking. Um, you know, all sorts of different ways for the consumer to, to get engaged with the product. But we also we also want to be a partner that is not trying to take audience share away um, because that's that's not our that's not our goal here. We're not that's not what's primary to us. We're we're really focused on stabilizing that structural concern that that we talked about, um, and that kind of comes through you know working with consumer protection groups, working with sports uh, sports media properties, sports books, or state governments, or whatever the case might. Be but because of what we do, there will always be a consumer facing product because there has to be. Right, you, you're all about the consumer at the end of the day. Exactly. Right. So people can check out either your app, um, Sharp Rank, or your website, and they can essentially look up their favorite handicapper. Yep, should be able to. And and what I'd say to that is, um, if you don't see your favorite handicapper on there, uh, shoot us an email. <laughs> because uh, we we are constantly 
engaged in looking and there's and we will always pick up the phone but the response could be they're in our watch list our response could be we consider them out of scope they've failed multiple audits and we can't initiate coverage on these people or this person so uh could be any any number of things all right hey very cool business very unique and sounds like you're filling a much needed niche i wish you guys the best of luck and thanks for coming on to explain it absolutely i really appreciate it thanks for having me all right. Thanks, Chris Adams from SharpRank. Go check him out, sharprank.com or download the app. And thank you all for watching another episode of Double Down with Russell. We'll be back soon with another great interview. Take care. I want you to smash that like button. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine how fast we could solve the world's biggest problems if more SaaS startups would gain traction sooner. Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. This podcast is dedicated to sharing experiences from B2B SaaS CEOs who are going above and beyond to deliver change that is noticed. You will hear their secrets and learn what is required to build a SaaS business that the world starts talking about and keeps talking about and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so.